You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 241, Nile. Hosted by Dan Terry. And John just started crying, screaming, no, I am the walrus. And Joseph Wren. I sat through the whole thing, and it just got worse and worse and less funny as it went on. Because it tried so hard to convince me that it was real. Even though the guy doing the voice wasn't really George Harrison. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you line your sarcophagus with hundreds of dollars worth of RGB lighting, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. Somebody really wanted to listen to Egyptian metal this week. And I don't mean Egyptian metal like the band is from Egypt and they're trying to put their take on what metal is overall. This band really wants to sail down the River Nile and shred for days. I think it's interesting because when I, whenever I studied Egyptian mythology uh, in early college, I, you know, I was really into it, but I never found it to be, I never found it to be necessarily brutal. I mean, it's cool. Mythology's cool. Like Greek mythology's cool and all, all that stuff. I mean, it's it's neat. The gods are cool. They 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 go to war with mankind sometimes. Sometimes they love mankind. Sometimes they don't love mankind. Uh, the Egyptian gods just seemed so ancient and out of touch, and it was like a lot of weird animal gods and stuff. And I never found it to be outrageously brutal until I heard Nile, who decided to tell me that, no, this is actually the most brutal mythology that you could ever be a part of. And uh, we're going to tell you why. I remember this being the original case of Discuss Metal Dance specials. You'd pull this out of your back pocket when someone would come in the room and say, I found the heaviest band ever. Is it heavier than Nile? Is it heavier in concept than Nile? I don't think so. And then you would spend days talking about Zayo because that's what you always went back to. But Nile was one of those bands. It's not quite grind. It's techie death metal more than it's grind. Uh, it's more, I, I don't know, and, and their early catalog is obviously more, I, I would say just more like straight ahead death metal. But as they go forward in their career, they start adding ridiculous, I- impossible time signatures. There's even a point where the singer says in the liner notes that they wrote a song a specific way just to piss off their drummer. You know, so like it, it is one of those, uh, it, it's one of those uh, bands where they're like, well, we can and they never stopped to ask if they should, but uh, I'm kind of okay with it. Nile, Nile's one of my favorite death metal bands, so I'm going to be very defensive uh, of any criticism of them tonight. Uh, but I will admit, even right off the top, that uh, Nile's a band that you don't necessarily have to own every record by. Uh, but <laughs> if you're, well, if you're a fan of like Egyptian mythology and like a little bit of Lovecraft in there, uh, just to kind of spice things up a little bit, yes. Uh, then you then you do need to have every Nile album because in almost every single album they have like very extensive liner notes explaining the mythology behind the lyrics. I think that's really cool, and I was actually a little disappointed on the albums that did not have that uh, because, you know, how much I love lyrics, and uh, if I didn't have those explanations or the context to understand what they were talking about, I would think the lyrics to be mostly meaningless. Well, before Dan picks up the chainsaw and screams his call to destruction, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. 
Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Well, we love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. We love them so much that we read them on the show for you guys. And uh, I've got one to read for you guys tonight. This comes from the Sheriff of Rottingham. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it says, excellent show. Awesome to hear them talk. And by them, he means us. Uh, Awesome to hear them talk about your favorite band slash albums. A great way to discover bands you've never heard of or haven't checked out yet. They absolutely reignited my love for bands like Candiria, Godflesh, Ministry, and Today is the Day. They're responsible for getting me into bands like Swallow the Sun, Paradise Lost, and November's Doom. Highly recommended. I actually really love that we got him into Paradise Lost because we've never done a Paradise Lost episode. But I know I've dropped the name a whole bunch of times. So, you know, I think most recently in the Bloodbath episode. We might be getting closer and closer to you getting your wish. I mean, it's Paradise Lost, right? <laughs> I mean, if my if my wish if my wish is Paradise Lost, then you know it'll be Paradise Found. That's right. I said that. I'm I'm a dad, guys. Every now and again, a joke like that just I, it's an involuntary reflex for me. I'm just gonna have to make that joke. But I also want to take a second out to shout out some people that are very special to me and uh, to Joe as well. And that is our wonderful Patreon subscribers, uh, some of which may or may not actually be with us here tonight. See, here's something that you may not know about the Patreon. Uh, If you're a Patreon subscriber, sometimes we uh, stream these episodes live and we will give you the opportunity to participate in the episode. So, you know, we get a lot of emails sometimes of saying, hey, you guys forgot to talk about this or you guys didn't mention this or you forgot to talk about that. You know what? If you're a Patreon subscriber, you can jump in the chat and absolutely drop that hard knowledge right on us while we're doing the episode. And not only will we read that information as if we knew it already, but we'll actually also credit you for letting us know. Way to have journalistic integrity there, dude. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I don't care. These guys pay our bills, so I, I appreciate every last one of them. And who are, who are they? Well, this is who they are. We've got Lost Fiction, Kyle Driver. We've got Timu. I'm not going to try to. I'm not going to try to say your last name. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I but I love you and appreciate you. Uh, Dangerous Dave. Ryan Rowe, Richard Renz, Big T, Big T, Brandon Miranda, Ken Zapla, Tantalized Fungans, Best Name Ever, Jeremy Prince, Josh Moser, David Brown, Samuel Woodward, Brian D, not Brian D, Brian Dean. <laughs> and, and I know for a fact that's not even that guy's real name. <laughs> it's me, comma, Brave, Lance Alligood. The King of Metal, Alexander, Patrick Asplund, and Jeffrey De Los Santos. The actual Mac. Thank you guys so much for being our Patreon subscribers. We love you. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to keep trying to do cool stuff for you as time goes on. We're always thinking of new ideas of like, hey, it'd be really cool if we let the patrons do this. So, uh, you know, it, it, at some point, you know, you guys are going to have like your own podcast that you guys do. And, and and then we watch it and then we commentate on it. That's how much power we're giving to the patrons. <laughs> I probably shouldn't make promises I can't keep, but it's fine. Set goals. That's what they call it, right? Absolutely. 
it's whatever you want. It's 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 if you're if you're helping pay for it, it's 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 that much percentage of your show as well. I want to take a second to shout out a video that you recently posted on the Discuss Metal Dan YouTube channel. Was that your five favorite Swedish death metal bands of all time? It is uh, the top, not four, not three, but five death metal al- or Swedish death metal albums of all time. And as I stated in the video, it's all time for me. It doesn't have to be all time for you. Uh, but it is absolutely my favorite. Uh, I know some of the feedback I've gotten on that video so far has been mostly good. Some people did not agree with my number five pick. And uh, if you're not sure what my number five pick was, just go check the video out. We'll leave a link in the show notes for you guys to check it out. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And if you guys like those kind of videos, let me know. I can I can pick five of anything and make a video on it. So, <laughs> you know, if, if, we run out of, if we run out of metal bands, it'll be like, my top five potato peelers or, or whatever it is. If you guys are into potato peelers. Joe, do you like you like potato peelers? They're an essential kitchen tool and they work great for carrots too. Absolutely. I guess you guys aren't here to hear us talk about uh, potato peelers, huh? So Dan, tell me about Nile. Joe, so OMG. Nile is a death metal band. They're from Greenville, South Carolina. They formed in 1993 as kind of more of like a uh, like a death thrash uh, sort of band, which kind of kind of appropriate for then. Uh, it's actually interesting how brutal Nile ends up being whenever they started with the more thrash sort of sound. And for all you people that have a problem with me never mentioning the bands, you know. Uh, non-studio albums. Uh, you know, they did absolutely release an album, uh, or not an album, but a uh, a demo uh, in 1995 called Festivals of Atonement. And that thing is some pretty sweet death thrash. But we're not going to get into that right now. So what sets Nile apart, right? There's a lot of death metal bands in the early 90s. How, how's Nile going to show up on the scene and do something different than what everybody else is doing? First, well, you have to write all of your songs about ancient Egypt. Not not all of them, just, just most of them. Most of them? Most of them. So this isn't a 100% you have to be a history major to fully appreciate what they're throwing down. Okay, yeah, you, you do have to be that. Uh, okay, let me, I'm let, confused. Let is this or is this not another Alathian situation? Mm, I would say that it is an Alathian situation uh, in the sense that you kind of have to like really spend some time getting the context to make these songs more brutal. But luckily, uh, you know, our, our, our best friend of the entire world, Carl Sanders, he's going to give us all of that context that we need in the liner notes of each album because he's just that nice of a guy. And I think he, I think he really, really loves studying ancient civilizations and uh, also throwing a lot of humor into it as, as we will certainly get to with a very particular album title uh, later on. But I do think that Nile was interesting because, number one, I don't know what tuning they're using. I don't know if you can help me with that, Joe. I'm not a guitar head at all, but uh, these guys are one of the most down-tuned bands I've heard, yet they don't sound like total mud. They actually have very good production value for this type of music, um, and the guitars the guitars and drums punch really, 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 really hard, and then you've got those just completely inhuman vocals over the top of it. I might be wrong. But just listening to the records overall, I never got that distinctive, sloppy, down-tuned feeling that says 
This is eight strings that are just being hit for the sake of making noise. Maybe this band is the stereotype and they're playing seven strings, eight strings, and the answer to your question is they're not really tuned down that far. But the vibe I get is the late 90s, early 2000s virtuoso who is not focusing on how many strings they have, but how low can they tune and how effectively can they play those sweeping pick pieces. So without doing any research, it doesn't sound to me like a band who is adding strings to be heavy. It just sounds like a band that's tuned down. They're probably in B or A at the lowest. But some of the earliest records have that we're in drop C guys kind of feel. And I think that's okay because you mentioned the punch. The records have attention to detail, attention to atmosphere and soundscape. It doesn't sound like it was produced in-house. It sounds like they paid someone to make it sound as good as it possibly can. The only downside at times is those death metal vocals. That growl sometimes sounds like it came from the late 80s, like there's no effort put into it, but it's there for its purpose. We've talked about death metal a lot on this show. Sometimes you just got to do the damn thing. When it comes to death metal, the damn thing is, and that's perfectly fine. This band (laughs) pulls it off better than most because the music is interesting. Overall, it doesn't go in that we're so progressive it's not interesting place, and you know what I mean. Sometimes adding notes is not a better song. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I guess let's get into it, man. Let's start with uh, let's start with that first, first, first record. 1998, amongst the catacombs of Nephrin Ka. Oh yeah, and what's funny about that is that is actually an H.P. Lovecraft uh, quote, which is from their from his story, The Outsider, um, where he says he's going to like live among. He's going to remain an outsider and he's going to live amongst the tombs of. Nephron but it sounds a little bit Egyptian, so maybe it has a little bit of an origin there. I don't know. I didn't read all <laughs> 78 pages uh, that he wrote about each song. But, uh, but it, man, this thing just absolutely crushes. Because it's one thing Niall likes to do is they like to do that whole like atmospheric intro thing, uh, you know, where they they're setting a mood for for the album. Uh, this is this is one of the rare exceptions where smashing of the Antuiu Antu track one off of the first album. Uh, <laughs> it is really really heavy and it's just it's just blast just right right in the face. And this is interesting because I've always thought of Niall as being like a a super technical band. And so to, to go back and listen to this record, and whenever I say that this record is not technical, I mean it is being played at a level that I will never be able to achieve, even if I started playing guitar tomorrow and tried to figure it out. But what, I'm, what I mean is this is just a more straight, straight ahead, kind of more brutal death metal sort of affair. Um, they'll lock into this ridiculously heavy groove and just grind it out. Or they'll, um, you know, and, and they'll, they'll pick up the pace. They'll go into like a cat strangler. Cat stranglers abide on this album. They are everywhere. And uh, and I love it. I love the way the drums sound. I love the way Carl's voice sounds. It is just absolute, just what you want when you're looking for an ultra brutal band. But what I like about it too is that it still has kind of those, that 90s production. You know, I know a lot, most of the classic death metal bands came from the early, early 90s. And you've got this in 98. This sounds modern enough for 98, but it still has that classic death metal production value. 
just scoop out the mids, crank the bass, and you sound like your favorite technical death metal band from the mid to late 90s. It absolutely does have that 90s vibe, but I'm hearing pieces of music, riffs, melody lines. I'm hearing what I don't normally hear. I'm not hearing time changes for the sake of doing it. I wouldn't call this math core, but it does sound like they sat down and said, we need six notes here, seven notes here, five notes here, and that was done on purpose. So for better or for worse, it goes together. And it's interesting to listen to. You know you're going to be able to throw down in the pit if you go to this show. So it sounds like death metal to me. What else you got? Uh, I've got uh, whenever you get to track three, you get uh, Kurduru Maklu, which is uh, where they start kind of incorporating that like atmospheric, like, hey, in case you guys couldn't tell by the album title and then the artwork and the giant history book that came with the record um <laughs> i'm actually not sure if this one had had that or not but I'll, I, I could i could get up and get the cd but it's all the way over there uh so it's it's just kind of one of those deals but um this is where this is where they start playing kind of the more like egyptian themed music their their melodies seem to if you can call them melodies uh, they they seem to kind of go in more of a in more of that direction as far as uh, and having like these 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 like deep almost like tribal ancient sounding drums, and uh, the vocals are just kind of like shouted like they're like some sort of evil uh, I don't want to say satanic I like using the word satanic when I talk about death metal but we're not even talking about that religion um, we're we're talking about something totally different and I I don't know they're very atmospheric they sound very Egyptian for for lack of a better term and I'm sure whatever my perception of what Egyptian sounds like is some sort of generic <laughs> version uh, but it sounds great with the use of keyboards and the drums and everything it's it's really cool they, they they put a lot of they put a lot of thought into this even on the first record of keeping the theme consistent throughout so uh, when you really break it down to brass tacks you have a super super heavy proficient death metal band that has these cool like egyptian sounding uh atmospheric pieces thrown in it's a nice package it, it goes down really really well 2000 black seeds of vengeance yeah i'm trying to start a garden and i, I want to like plant some stuff in there and you know, I think I feel like, you know, I want I want plants that are very noticeable. Oh, well, bro, have you tried throwing some black seeds of vengeance in there uh, that, you know, I think that'll really make your garden grow. Um, so this is this is probably my least favorite album by Nile. And I don't have a really great reason for saying that, because, I mean, cosmetically, it's it's the same album as the last one. Um, what you have is a very technically proficient death metal band with the with an egyptian theme to the lyrics with kind of some uh atmospheric pieces with keyboards and stuff thrown in there for good measure um it follows a lot of the same ideas as the first album i actually think that the production isn't as strong on this one as it was on the last um but i think overall it's a good record it's just kind of more of the same it's more technical i think than amongst the catacombs but it's it's not quite um, it's not quite as enjoyable or catchy for me to listen to, I guess. You can describe this kind of music as catchy. One thing I want to clarify early, just to drive this point home, the sound of Egyptian music that we associate with music in games is typically the Dorian scale or the Dorian mode. So if you apply that to your tonic, which is the root, which for you, Dan, is if you tune down to drop D, that's your root, 
Got it. Once you apply that mindset of I'm not going to approach the song or the guitar or the instrumentation the normal way Western music would be, you're putting yourself in a box that not everyone else is going after. And I think that's more prevalent in other progressive or other techie death metal or metal in general bands. But this band focuses a lot on that Dorian sound. And I think that's something to bring up because not a lot of progressive bands do that. And I don't think this band is progressive. They very much are technical and that's above and beyond what other bands were doing because in 2000, this sounds good. I mentioned Alathian earlier, I was joking because I kind of hold this band on the same place as that band. It's well thought out, it's well rehearsed, it's well executed. And I think that's important for your death metal to sound good. Because if you just throw a bunch of trash at the wall, it's going to sound like trash thrown at the wall. This sounds like technical death metal. It's really fucking good. I definitely agree with you. And um, I do have to make a special shout out to a specific song. uh, And that would be track number six. It is called Masturbating the War God, which I think is uh, maybe the greatest song title of a death metal song I've ever heard. (laughs) It's got to win some kind of award on the show. I know we don't hand awards out on the show, but best song title 100% masturbating the war god it, it is my number one maybe i'll do a video on that my my top my top five favorite death metal song titles i don't even know what to say to that i'm not even sure it made it in the show once much less twice oh don't worry it's gonna get worse <laughs> before it gets any better when we get to uh iffy phallic are you ready for in their darkest shrines in their darkened shrines 2002 this album this album it's about okay. to get epic in here it's about to so, get symphonic in here just a yes. little bit. <laughs> so, uh, you know, normally I don't really uh, I don't really like keyboards in my death metal. You You're know? wrong. It's OK. It's OK this time uh, for sure. Uh, this is this is cool because the last two records, you know, I think they were trying to be epic. You know, they, they were trying to be over the top. Like Joe said, they weren't trying to be progressive necessarily, but the, the, the theme to their band and, you know, I probably would call it a gimmick if I liked the band less. But uh, I, I like the, the the theme of their band is driven home to the point of almost annoyance at times. But their dedication to the craft itself is very endearing. So what they've done here is they've actually gone for the epic songs instead of just trying to be the most brutal band in the entire world. Which don't get me wrong, they still are. Um, they go for they go. F- for some pretty epic songs on here that start in like more atmospheric um, sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I want to say atmospheric atmosphere because that'd be stupid. Uh, <laughs> but we've got we've got like multi we, we've got multi uh, part songs. Like the last few songs on the album are all part of a giant story called "In Their Dark and Shrines," and then you've got um, the masterpiece "Una Slayer of the Gods" in the middle of it. Um, which is just a absolutely epic in your face sort of song. And like the keyboards add an incredible lot to to the overall sound of this album. Uh, because you've got the same Nile that you've had on the last two records, but their song craft is vastly improved uh, from what we've had before. They're actually trying to create the soundtrack to some very brutal ancient Egyptian storyline. It's like this band took your advice literally 
In order to have tension, there has to be the lack of tension. So if you're going to be brutal and intense and techy with your death metal, you need to be the opposite of that to allow the record to breathe, to allow the story to breathe. You got to build up and then fall down and then build up and then fall down. We've talked about a lot of bands recently that do the opposite of that. They go 100% start to finish. And you know what? That gimmick is okay sometimes. And I say gimmick because that's what it is some of the time. But Niall had this idea to be techie, but also to drive this story home that was really driven by those old historic ideas and stories and history. I said historic earlier. I know what I said. So now you have a band who is not only being extremely technical, but they're also being more atmospheric. They're allowing the record to build and fade away. And we're only three in. I'm just going to sit here and rub my vinyl copy of In Their Darkened Shrines. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is this was my favorite Nile album for a long time. For good reason, because it's the absolute like ultimate i feel like it's the ultimate expression of what they set out to do on that first record you know like this is this is the level of epic that we're trying to achieve here uh and they did really really they they did so well with this and i, I just i don't want to say they peaked on album three because they absolutely didn't but this is almost where the nile that we know today was kind of born um they 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 haven't and what i like about it too is a lot of the times when bands add symphonic elements to their sound the band like you lose something in the brutality department and thankfully nile couldn't be less concerned about that uh they are absolutely as brutal as they have ever been they're more tactical than they've ever been and they're able to to create a record that tells awesome epic stories without being a prog band 2005 annihilation of the wicked oh my god <laughs> okay annihilation uh, annihilation of the wicked is probably my favorite nile album yeah you love how that you love how i said the last one was my favorite for a long time you know until the new one came out uh <laughs> this, that's exactly the type of fandom that bands want uh you know every time uh annihilation of the wicked is faster it's more brutal. It's less uh, keyboardy, less epic than uh, in their darkened shrines. But this is where the band eschews the epic feel for a almost ridiculous level of technicality. This is where they really, really, really shine. Um, cast down the heretic. I know it's not the opener. There's there's dusk falls on the temple of the serpent head or something. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, I just made that up, but anyway, uh, they, you know, they, they do the kind of atmospheric intro, but whenever they kick into cast on the heretic, that is an absolutely just whatever's near you is about to get broken. Uh, sort sort of, sort of intro song. The drumming on this record is, is leaps and bounds above and beyond what they've done before. The drumming especially is killer. The trend of what is a Nile record. The album usually begins with something old sounding some ancient stringed instrument that's playing a melody that gets you in that mindset you've had this mindset before i always like to point to stargate as the definitive you're in egypt now movie because as soon as they go through that giant circle in the wall you're in ancient egypt 
it's kind of the plot of the movie, right? Everything I you mean, see, everything you hear, it kind of points in that direction. And Niall does that too at the start of every record. They very subtly remind you that you're listening to Niall. Then they get brutal as hell and remind you that you're listening to Niall. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you're not already dead after Cast Down the Heretic, you were never alive to begin with. Uh, and then Sacrifice Unto Sebek after that is just, it starts off with this like slow, almost groove, and it just kind of plays with you until it, until it goes right for the throat. Uh, my other favorite song on this record is Slashed, or not Slashed, uh, Lashed to the Slave Stick. Uh, because number one, that's probably the number two best uh, song title for a death metal song. Um, but this is like almost as close to Nile actually being melodic. <laughs> you know, uh, you you have a very perfect. I'm glad you brought up kind of the tension and release thing earlier because that's all the intro to the song is. Um, I, I will I will start Lash to the Slave Stick over four or five times just to hear that intro. Um, it's one of my favorite Nile moments uh, of all time. I don't know. I just, I love everything that they did on this record. Like, and it's funny because like, we usually will start criticizing a band for having a lack of innovation, but Nile is doing such a good job here of just building upon their past success. And it's kind of cool seeing them get better and better with each release. We've definitely criticized bands for doing the same thing when it doesn't work. I think Nile is one of the examples where it works so well that every record is an improvement on the previous. It's still techie. It's still death metal. They're still blasting. There's still so much double bass. Remember that time in the mid-2000s when brutal death metal vocals, the old school kind, kind of fell off? but then snuck back in because people got better microphones or just figured out how to stand in front of the microphone and do the thing. And you get this big, booming, baritone bass-sounding death growl that doesn't sound like the early 90s when everyone just grabbed the mic and went, uh, it turned right. into this explosion of lead vocals that you can understand for the most part. And I think Niall is one of the best examples. If you're looking at the band and saying, how are you improving? How are you changing? How are you moving forward? They really don't change. They're giving you more or they're building a better picture. And every aspect of the band is being executed even better than the last record. Even the vocalist who is doing old school death metal vocals just sounds better as we move forward up to this point. I agree. I agree with all that. I think that they just absolutely... It's really nice to see a band that sat down and came up with a concept on paper and then perfectly executed it. <laughs> you, you don't see that too often. Sometimes you're limited by like who you're playing with or other people's ideals or, or, or whatever. What I like about Nile is that they always accomplish what the original goal was <laughs> on on every single record. And uh, as we move on, that, that couldn't be uh, any more true. 2007... Ithifalic. All right, so let's get this out of the way right now. Uh, if you if you saw the the, the keyword in there, the base word, uh, phallic, um, ithifalic. Uh, whenever you um, whenever you train, it, it, it's from ancient Greek, and it it, it roughly translates to uh, erect erect phallus or uh, erect penis. So um, there's a thing that you know now. I have a question. Yes, this album cover. It's got a bit of a monument thing going on. It does. Is 
that on purpose? I think it is. I, th- I think if you're going to name your album Erect Phallus, um, I think that, you know, I think that if you have a, a monument on the front that's sticking up, you know, kind of like that, you know, straight up with like a, at the top with like a couple of like, you know, like juttings out at the at, at the bottom of it. It's a, it's, it's, it's a penis. Uh, so, but don't let that, don't let that, you know, hold you back. Because it certainly didn't with me. I think that the title of the album absolutely describes how I feel when I'm listening to this album. Um, what I like about this record is I think this is one of their musically strongest records in the at the beginning of kind of the later part of their career. This is before the monotony kind of started to set in for me, and I was still all about it because on this one they actually they actually play around with their song structures a lot more on this record. They're patterns are not quite as predictable and they've also kind of scaled back a little bit on the brutality of the last record and gone more into that in their darkened shrines uh sort sort of territory so you've got the keyboards are are a more central instrument this time around and um but i mean beyond that if you liked if you liked the other albums you're gonna love you know the what this album's called Keeping in mind that these records came out years apart, this week was a bit of a disservice for this album. I'm listening to the band, the quality's going up, the sound is going up, everything is going up. Then the Follick happens, and it's like we backed off just a little bit. And here we are again, it's 2007. I could say that thing about everyone changed their mind about what a record was supposed to sound like because MP3s were a thing. This one just sounds a little bit more dry. Might have been on purpose. Might have been the need or choice to go back to the older sound and not be so symphonic. But then those keyboards kick in and it's just as symphonic. So I don't know why this record doesn't have the same quality of death metal, but I don't hate the record either. It's still Nile and I could see a super fan being excited to get that older sound. You're not listening to the really well-produced band. You're listening to the band that has been well-produced challenge themselves to be old school. And it's just that much old school. I think you're still in at this point. Oh, I'm still in at this point. And, uh, you know, Niall may just have my favorite song titles of all time. I'm going to throw another one out for you. I'm not going to do this on every album. This might be the last time. But I feel like I need to point out track uh, track number four, Papyrus containing the spell to preserve its possessor against attack from he who is in the water. You guys are trying too hard. Are they? It just sounds to me like you just... <laughs> I don't know if that's trying hard. I think that's just like taking a whole passage and saying, yep, that's the song title. Um, it's not even like, I don't know. There's two versions of it on the, on, at least on the CD that I have, there's the instrumental version. And then there's the, uh, you know, just the regular version. Um, and I actually prefer the instrumental version because like, I like throwing that on whenever I'm like cleaning my house and it just, it makes me just want to throw everything away, uh, which is perfect. I guess I, hopefully I don't throw away the papyrus containing the spell, you know, and, and all that. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, Ithy Phallic is a great record, and I think that uh, I think that it's probably, in my opinion, I know this is gonna like probably piss a bunch of people off, but welcome to this show. Yeah, I think this is the last truly great Nile album, and as we as we go forward, um, I don't necessarily think that things change, uh, but they kind of don't change in kind of a bad way. Two thousand and nine, those whom the gods detest. 
I mean, that's us, right? <laughs> that, okay. That's us, isn't it? Okay. Um, this record is weird to me. Um, not because it's bad. They try a whole lot of different things. I, I don't know. It's to me, the production doesn't sound quite as deep. It doesn't sound quite as dark as what we'd had in the past. And the music itself doesn't, it doesn't hit like brutal death metal usually is going to hit. And I don't know, this is, this is a hard one for me because obviously it's a great Nile record, right? I mean, it's, it's absolutely um, full of really, really, really fast riffs, crazy solos, super fast. But for whatever reason, the, um, really hard to put my finger on i just i didn't jive with these songs man they just didn't they just didn't hit me quite like they did before and i think part of that could just be the exhaustion of it um we and we, this is this is kind of a, a trending thing on the show where if a band puts out a you know a eight great records in a row it doesn't matter how great they are eventually i'm gonna fall off if things aren't quite different enough <laughs> you know uh from, from what we would heard before but I do think that, like guitar, like guitar-wise, this one just seems a little bit lighter than what we'd had before. And I know it's a hundred percent a production thing. I'm sure these songs absolutely slay live. But this one, this is probably the thinnest sounding uh, Nile album. Guitars are a little muddy on this one for me. There's a point in production where if you take out the wrong thing, you can't hear the notes. I think my favorite example of that is always going to be the Mudvayne DVD where they're recording Not Falling and producers trying to get him to overdub because you just can't hear those octaves, but it's the tone, dude. It's when you're all bass and no mids, you just can't hear the notes. And this is kind of the opposite where they've mixed out the highs and the lows, the super highs and the super lows, which you typically will do, but it just kind of sounds muddy to me. It flows together and probably is brutal if you're hearing it live i think the idea is there but cosmetically it sounds like they were giving more attention to the vocals and the drums on this one there's some weird patterns and weird percussive decisions that just sound like hey guys let's try something on this song instead of we thought it through we wrote it down and this is the best sounding riff for this song or the best sounding beat for this song I know I'm talking about beats on a death metal band. It's all about the blast. This one is just weird to me, and maybe that's the point. But when you're listening to these records in rapid succession throughout the week, this is the part where you start to step away and say, I've, I've got the point, guys. I've got it. Keep doing the thing or stop. And that's unfair because when this yeah. album came out, it was probably brutal enough and it sounded fine. I think it did too, and it, it is worth noting too that the vocal delivery is very much switched up here. Uh, we've got more of like that thrash yell. He's he's kind of yelling. He still does the he still does the deep Egyptian death metal thing, you know. Sure, but um, he also does a lot of like just shouting. I don't know if this was easier on his voice or if he was just trying to change it up because he knew that years later, a couple a holes on the internet were going to be like. You just feel like it all, you know, sounds the same and it's starting to drag, you know. Uh, so maybe he was trying to future-proof it or, or just wanted to do something different. And um, I actually kind of like the vocal delivery. I like I like the vocal change. Um, but at the same time, when I'm listening to a Nile record, I, it absolutely has to annihilate the wicked, you know, for me. And um, this one just didn't quite hit the mark for me. And I'm sure somebody out there is going to be like, well, it's more technical. It's more progressive than anything else they've ever done before. 
And and while that may be true, just because it's it, from a technical perspective better doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to enjoy listening to the songs. <laughs> you know, uh, looking at you, Dream Theater. Um, <laughs> you know, and yeah. So I mean, Nile is just Nile is 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 very is endlessly interesting to me. <laughs> 2012 at the gates of Sifu. Oh boy, oh boy. Um, you ever wonder like what happened to that really awesome production value that that Nile used to have? Well, I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want it to be something that they used to have. I want it to be the present choice that the band goes to on every record, and it sounds beefy and brutal and interesting all the time. Yeah, I should. The production really holds this one back, I guess. I'm trying not to beat around the bush too much on it. Um, this sounds like because when I when I first heard this, you know, I thought that like, are these like are these a bunch of like older Nile songs that they're re-recorded or are they like taken from? Because like to me, this doesn't sound anywhere close to as like as close to as brutal as even the first album. Like you know, um, I mean, musically, it's all very technically sound. It's very Nile. Um, it's just. It's just different. Um, the vocals are, are are in that kind of like raspier yell or whatever that he was doing. And I don't know. I'm starting to wonder if maybe the brutal death metal vocals had just done a lot to his voice and he wanted to just kind of scale that back. Um, this That's purely speculation on my part. I have no, you know, real way of knowing the truth. Um, but like, whereas I like the riffs on this album, I think there, there's a lot, actually a lot of thrash on this uh, mixed in with it's a brutal, with the brutal death. And I think that's, you know, that's usually a good thing. Um, I don't think it hurts the record. Again, I don't think I don't think any of these later N- Nile albums are bad. It's just that, like, the first four or five, you just kind of get used to, not, you expect Nile to sound a certain way. And whenever you don't hear them kind of living up to that potential, it kind of, it takes away from it, you know? Whereas, you know, you go first three or four records, and I'm like, this is the heaviest band on the planet. Oh, my God. And then you get to these records and you're like, where, you know, I wonder why they decided to scale back. And it could have just been, I know not everybody's into like just being beat over the head constantly. I mean, I am. That's why I'm so dumb. But like, <laughs> I think that, uh, I, th- I don't know. Again, this one just didn't hit for me. Uh, I think it's a perfectly fine album. I didn't hate listening to it. Uh, but yeah, it just, I don't know, man. It, it, it just didn't feel uh, as distinctly nile or a distinctly egyptian you know and uh it, it, i don't know it, it bothered me i didn't i didn't love it anytime i'm listening to technical death metal the drums are usually the dead giveaway either this band programmed the shit out of this or they did the traditional death metal thing where they triggered the kick and let the guy do what he's here to do i never listen to nile and hear overly produced drums they're very classic. It's very laid back, very flat at times. And that's okay. Some of the best examples of that are Opeth. The band never really pulled the drummer out of the pocket and said, we're going to make you into this big, booming drum sound that comes from the 80s. You're not going to be Mike Portnoy. You're just going to be the fucking blast. And that's what they're here to do. All the atmosphere is in the music and the presentation and the breaks from the brutality. So when I'm listening to this, I'm hearing a legitimately good band who can fucking play, but I'm with you. On this point in the discography, it's just a little much. And these records aren't meant to be heard all in succession, I think. 
No, I don't think so either. You know, that there is again the dissonance between what we do every week versus listening to albums as they come out. And I did listen to most of these as they came out. I mean, I've got a little bit of that perspective, but my opinion hasn't changed much from whether I listen to everything in a week versus listen to them, you know, as they were released. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of an underwhelming record. And uh, and please understand, this is not this is not another malevolent creation situation where these albums sound like they, these sound like million dollar highly produced albums compared to the garbage that was that band's <laughs> trajectory. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think that I think that overall, it's it's fine. It's a perfectly fine Nile record. It's just not really pushing the envelope. And uh, they, you know, the last two records have seemed a little kind of samey to me. Two thousand and fifteen. What should not be unearthed? All right, Joe, whatever you do, do not unearth that 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 thing. You know, that thing that, that shouldn't be. Yeah, just don't just don't do that. Don't do it. If you guys are watching the video, that's you, you, you'll get the joke. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so what should not be unearthed to me is something of a return to form for the band. They don't have as a, as good a production as they once did. And maybe maybe like we're wrong. Maybe we just Joe and I could be could be accused of just liking the way 90s production sounded overall. <laughs> but um you know again this this just sounds a little too clean. It's a little bit a little bit too modern. But musically, it's a little bit more of a return to what Nile does best with these these kind of deeper riffs. But I don't I, I don't think that they're necessarily uh, fully back into form, but they're trying to. They're trying to go back to doing what Nile does best, uh, which is blast, throw some Egyptian themes in there, throw some throw some cool melodies in there. And by melodies, I mean like just terrifying, horrifying sounds. Um, and the vocals are starting to deepen again. We're starting to get we're starting to get a little bit less flat sounding. First time I listened to this record was this week, and it was a return to form. But what stood out to me was how much dynamic range this record seems to have. I don't have the vinyl, don't have the CD, I'm using streaming services, but I was still able to crank this up. And it benefited from that in a way that most of the modern metal bands can't because they've been mixed too loud. That war has been over for a while, but it's still challenging at times. And here you have Nile, a band that's been playing technical death metal since the 90s. It's 2015, and they're giving you the best old-school sounding record they've had up until this point. It's not the best record, but we're roughly 20 years. The band has been around at this point, and you're getting a record that could fit right in and be album number two or three, and you'd be fine with it. So the return to form, very much welcome for me. Yeah, I was into it. Um, and, you know, I whenever I heard this when it first came out, I was like, oh, yeah, man, Niles back. This is it. This is it. But uh, it's it, that record has more or less kind of been overshadowed for me uh, because of the 2019 release. 2019, Vile Nilotic writes... Now, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, Nile is back. I'm not necessarily saying they went anywhere, but this is this is so much more in line uh, with their old with their, their older material uh, that, you know, y y all the beef is back, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say. That, that There's a lot of beef in these riffs that, that seem to be missing. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I really, really 
I like this album because it's not just them trying to do Annihilation of the Wicked again, and it's not Athephallic again. You know, um, they they experiment a little bit with the sound in a way that I feel like they haven't as much in recent albums, and so there's a lot of like kind of pace changes that take place throughout these songs. My favorite track on this record is that which is forbidden. Um, it, it just it's like just got this like really slow, brutal like groove to it, and um, just just overall like I think the drums sound good. I think what you said about the last record, Joe, about it having dynamic range. This one has that in spades, but it just absolutely makes my speaker shake whenever I blast it. Um, I think this whenever whenever i bought this when it came out i think i bought it in 2020 actually early 2020 but um it was absolutely a return to form for me and made me feel really like like i had to compromise nothing in like nile this is not as heavy as i think maybe well i wouldn't say it's not as heavy it's pretty heavy um <laughs> but it's the, it's, it's nile right like uh, but I, I don't think it necessarily hits the same level of energy and brutality as their early material. But I'm kind of okay with it because they they throw in some absolutely stellar um, kind of atmospheric pieces like Thus Saith the Parasites of the Mind uh, is a really good one. I feel like they're accomplishing their goal again of having that epic sort of Egyptian-themed death metal sound. Um, and it's more apparent. It's up front this time around. And it's more classic Nile than we've had in a little while. I have to pick on this record for one thing and one thing only. If you say drums, I'm out. Whenever they put this record together, they very clearly understood that the sample they were choosing for that gong on the first track is the exact same sample that Metallica used for For Whom the Bell Tolls. I mean, fair enough. It is a blatant copy, and I know it's just a sound that exists in a library somewhere. You probably didn't even have to pay for it. My point is, just pick another (laughs) sound, guys. Don't don't try to trick me into thinking that I'm listening to death metal Metallica. I don't think they were trying to do that. I'm just picking on them for the sake of it. If Josh was here, he'd be very upset that they stole that because, you know, it belongs to Metallica now, right? (laughs) I don't think they stole it. One dollar. I don't think Metallica gets to gets to copyright a bell ringing Uh, (laughs) i'm just saying this is absolutely the best sounding record of the last 10 years i think if you're listening to this band in 2019 and you hear this you're excited that it's been 20 years and they're still doing the damn thing yeah they made a couple choices along the way but that might have just been let's try to be old school or let's back off on the brutality and give ourselves conceptually more space to be atmospheric and that we can bring back that produced sound that everybody loved so much. I think the songs are the most interesting on this record because they've built this technical death metal sound for the past 20 years. So you're hearing the best version of what that is to Nile. I think that's fair. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't have anything to add to it. We're so used to arguing with each other, but like sometimes... Sometimes when a band is just good, there's not a whole lot to say. Like we we tried our best to like nitpick the band as much as we could on this episode, but like even the albums that we said weren't, you know, super amazing, it's only because like it's a 9 out of 10 compared to a a, a record that's an 11. <laughs> right? Like and, and I feel like that, you know, our nitpicks were just that. I mean, Nile Nile is just really 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 good at doing what Nile does. <laughs> Final thoughts on Nile. Dan 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, like like I just said, this band is just a good band. Like if you if you're looking for something to nitpick or something you don't like, as long as you're on board with what Nile is doing, you're going to enjoy pretty much all of these records to a certain degree. You might like some more than others because that's just the way things are. Certain records, uh, certain records will stick with you better than than other ones will. But uh, Nile overall has created an amazing body of work that I think will stand the test of time. And um, if you're if you're new to death metal or you're new to technical death metal, Nile's a great place to start because if you like what they're doing. There's a whole bunch of other bands out there that are doing similar things. Maybe not with the Egyptian theme, but they're doing similar things. And so this is, I'm going to say that they are a great gateway into technical death metal uh, without calling them a gateway band. Because you still have to like, you know, be able to handle <laughs> you know this kind of music. Uh, but yeah, Nile is, I, I could go on and on about Nile. And I'll just say this. If you haven't checked them out, check them out. They, they offer an experience that nobody else really offers. And they're some of the most technically proficient players. I know a lot of different people have been in the band over the years, and we didn't go over the lineup changes and all of that because it was very numerous. But uh, I would say for a band that's had as many lineup changes as Nile has had, uh, they are amazingly consistent throughout. I think Nile is one of the most interesting technical death metal bands that you can listen to. I think there is a group of fans, try as they might, they can't get what Alathian is putting down. If you are that fan, Nile might be the band to get you past that hurdle so you can fully enjoy and appreciate mathematical decisions in non-math core music. This band is straight technical death metal, late 90s through the late 2010s. We're still going. We're still being technical. We are still being brutal. We made all the decisions along the way. We built, we released. Everything's fine now. I don't think there's a better band you could be listening to if you've never really listened to technical death metal. And I think they're one of the best bands you should be listening to if you've never listened to this band. So listen to Nile. Damn, what's your album of the week? Oh, man. My album of the week? Definitely going to have to be focused by Cynic. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What a great record. For me, it's Nuclear Nanosecond by Tyrant of Death. Love it. You're really taking those... uh streaming service recommendation seriously absolutely you're like well how am i gonna know if i don't listen to it <laughs> i picked up the entire discography during industrial december a couple years ago and it's one of my favorite records to pull out of the collection when what you need is the doom 2016 soundtrack and then after that you need the doom eternal soundtrack but we never got that so then i pull out tyrant of death because there's your brutal industrial metal and there's so many albums love it take us out dft if you like this podcast and you would like to reach out to us to give us fan suggestions or just feedback on the episodes in general, there's so many different ways you can do that. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can send us a tweet at discuss metal. You can find us on Instagram also at discuss metal, or you can send us an email at Dan and Joe show at gmail.com. If you would like to get a discography discussion t-shirt, there'll be a link in the show notes. It'll take you to our Teespring store. There's more than just shirts on there. There's all kinds of neat stuff. Definitely go check that out if you want to support the podcast. And speaking of supporting the podcast, uh, make sure you guys uh, check out our Patreon uh, if you're feeling so inclined. Uh, what we're doing actually tonight with this episode is we're streaming it to our Patreon subscribers. 
uh, in a in a secret room that only they can access. And if you want to access that secret room, uh, you know, kind of like in a pyramid, uh, you can do that if you sign up for our Patreon. So check that out, patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have the sweetest of perks. And on that note, this has been episode 241 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Dan and Joe Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. Hey, Joe, can I have some money? $1 a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. Right now.